0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Friday, October the 2nd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on October 2nd, 1944, German troops crushed a two-month-old Warsaw uprising during which a quarter of a million people had been killed, mostly Jews. I've been to that site. I've talked to some of the families of those Jewish people, of those who had loved ones killed during that uprising. It was a horrible thing. But it happened today, 1944. Today, in 1890, comedian Groucho Marx was born. His name his real name was Julius Marx, New York. Today, in 1909, Orville Wright set an altitude record flying at 1,600 feet above the earth. There were people there that said he was defying science. They couldn't believe it. Today, in 1950... The comic strip Peanuts, created by Charles Schultz, was syndicated in seven newspapers. went on to be one of the most successful comic strips ever. Peanuts. Everybody kind of relates to Peanuts at some point in their life. Charlie Brown. Today, in 1967, Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American ever on the court, was sworn in as an associate justice to the U.S. Supreme Court as the court opened its new term. Today in 2002, the Washington, D.C. area sniper attacks began, setting off a frantic manhunt lasting three weeks. You'll remember this. John Allen Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo, they were finally arrested. They were driving around in parking lots in, I think it was Baltimore and D.C., and they had punched a hole in the back in the trunk of the car they had, and one of them would be in the trunk, looking out that hole with a rifle, and they would just pull into parking lots and shoot people randomly and kill them. And people were just panicked because they didn't know where it was coming from. And then they would just drive along slowly and people would see them, but they wouldn't know that they were associated with what what had just happened. Well, (laughs) they they met their end. Mohammed was executed in 2009. Malvo was sentenced to life in prison. I think Malvo was the young kid that was with that older guy. Ten years ago today, a coalition of progressive and civil rights groups marched by the thousands on the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Boy, that's nothing new, is it? They were pledging, though, to support the Democrats in their struggle to keep power over the American government on Capitol Hill. One year ago today, Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders canceled all of his campaign events until further notice. A day after being treated for what his campaign later confirmed was a heart attack. Life life is so fragile, isn't it? The White House has announced last night that President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump have tested positive for the coronavirus. You may have heard that already today. If not, now you know. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was talking to the press this morning, earlier. He confirmed that President Donald Trump was experiencing mild symptoms from the coronavirus after his positive test was announced earlier this morning, early this morning. The president does have mild symptoms, Meadows said to the reporters outside the White House. Meadows said that the White House continues to follow safety protocols, that the president was working from the residents of the building he said, the American people can rest assured that we have a president that is not only on the job, but will remain on the job. And I'm optimistic that he will have a very quick and speedy recovery. He noted that President Trump was probably watching his remarks from the residents. He was laughing. He and the president are very close. He was laughing. He said, he's in the residence right now. And in true fashion, he's probably critiquing the way I'm answering these questions and telling you what's going on. And he laughed. Chief of Staff Meadows, he said that doctors are monitoring the president's health and that they will provide an update later today. He said, I think the great thing about this president is not only that he's staying committed to working very hard on behalf of the American people, but his first question to me this morning was, how's the economy doing? How are the stimulus talks going on Capitol Hill? Meadows said that a number of the core team at the White House continue to get tested for the virus. Hope Hicks, who is a Uh, an advisor to the president, close to the president and his wife, Melania. Um, She was tested as positive with coronavirus. She was with the president uh, and his wife on a recent uh, trip on that helicopter that they fly on, just the last day or so. They're suspecting that that's how the president and first lady became uh, infected. Vice President Pence and his wife have been tested immediately, of course, and they are daily at the White House anyway, but they have been. Both are negative. Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett was also tested because she's been in the bubble, as they call it, in the White House. She, too, tested negative. Interesting time in which we live. Joe Biden has been it, at least it's said that he has now been tested, and that they will announce his campaign is expected to announce the results of Biden's test later on today, Friday today. Associated Press put out an, a, a release just 30 minutes ago. Uh, this is 9 a.m. Western Pacific time. That I'm we. This program originates live, as you know. And um, so that was 30 minutes ago. Associated Press said the latest on President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump testing positive for the coronavirus. coronavirus. Um, they said Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he spoke by phone. This, again, this is 30 minutes ago. Spoke by phone to President Donald Trump, who's in good spirits the Republican leader said in a tweet that to talk business on Friday, he said full steam ahead. McConnell said about the Senate GOP's plan for a quick confirmation of Trump's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, to the Supreme Court. And Associated Press says the leader, McConnell, made no reference to ongoing talks on a broader coronavirus relief package. Joe Biden waited for hours, but he did finally tweet. That he and his wife, Jill, are sending their thoughts to President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump, wishing for a swift recovery. Kamala Harris was tested. She's negative. They're waiting, as I said earlier, they're waiting for a report on Joe Biden. They say they will make it public later today. We'll see what happens. These are perilous times. You have to stop sometimes and ask yourself, why why is all of this happening? The Christian the Christian mind, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, immediately goes to the fact that God, what are you saying to us? Because we believe that God is in control and that God is over all things all the time. I believe that with all my heart. It's encouraging for me in times like these when we care about our country, we care about people, we care about our children and grandchildren growing up in America. What kind of an America will it be? I think that's what motivates many of us to do our part. And yet there is also, beyond that, there is a responsibility to God. God has given us much in America, and God has given us a responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. The responsibility to vote, the responsibility to be informed, the responsibility to be active. Each of us have a different sphere of influence. I understand that. I'm talking on the radio live right now, and most of you are not. But you have influence in other ways. We all have influence. We must use them for the glory of God, first and foremost, and for the betterment of our country and our communities, our culture. Because God cares. He created communities, countries, sovereignty. God created the family, as the building block of human kind, of human society. He created all of this, man and woman. He brought them together. They had children. That was the cornerstone of society. We've tried to pervert that in so many ways, but the way that God created it is the model that will stand throughout all of time. And God, I believe, has called all of us who follow him to have a voice, to have an influence in our culture. But yet there's times when we just all kind of grow weary and well-doing. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. Just soldier on, but trust God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 31, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not built on politics. But we want to be informed and we want to know what's going on because that's our method of carrying on day to day in this country, the greatest country that ever, ever has existed on the face of the earth. It's interesting, the Washington Post. There have been a lot of comments. Some of them are so vulgar toward the president, wishing him a quick death and so on. I mean, it's just vulgar. I'm not going to talk even talk about it, much less quote any of it. But I wanted you to know about a tweet. It came out from the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos' newspaper. And it is his newspaper. It's his oracle, really. The Washington Post tweeted early this morning. After President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump had announced on Twitter and then later through a formal statement that they had been diagnosed with the coronavirus, the Washington Post put out this tweet promoting a featured piece in their, it's an opinion piece, but it's in their newspaper today, now. It's titled, Imagine What It Will Be Like to Never Have to Think About Trump Again. The tweet was sent out at 1.33 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. That was 39 minutes after the president had tweeted news of the diagnosis of he and his wife. That's sick. They're now trying to, the Washington Post are trying to say, oh, we were not aware of it. They're aware of it. They follow his tweets like like a bee follows honey. They're just lying, but that's what they're saying today, and a lot of people will believe them, but don't believe them. That isn't true. That was intended. They knew what they were doing. It probably was set up before that, but they didn't stop it, and they could have. That's, as I said, that's sick. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's sad. But that's the world we live in, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we carry on in the power and the strength of the Lord, not in our own strength. But it can be very depressing. But we must be informed. There are people in denial today that are not even talking about this. I don't want to talk. I don't want to know. I don't like politics. I'm not going to talk about that. Well, I know you can overload on that, and we shouldn't do that. But on the other hand, you can be uninformed and terribly misled and even more so destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that's why we do what we do every day on this program, and I want to thank you again for supporting it. Your support makes it possible, and you stand with us each month, and we meet our budget now. And I want to thank you for that as well. If you don't support us, we'd love to have you join us. Consider it. Pray about it. If you feel what we're doing is worthwhile and a benefit. If you don't, then don't support us. But if you do, we'd love to have your support. We need it to stand with the rest of the people that are supporting this ministry, including my wife and I. We support this ministry each month. And thank you all for doing so as well. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. Faith, A-N-D, freedom.us. My name is right under it. There are now other organizations that did not exist when we started with the name Faith and Freedom. So be sure to go to .us, otherwise you'll end up on a college, there's a Muslim organization, there's a bunch of people out there using Faith and Freedom that we're not doing so when we started. But we're faithandfreedom.us. Thank you so much for your support, and thank you for your help toward our, our need to upgrade all of our computer programs, and we're doing that. We haven't quite reached the goal that we need to pay for it, but it's underway. We're doing it, and you're sending checks in or donating online. Thank you. I'll give you an update on that probably next week sometime, but thank you so much. We hear a lot of talk today about packing the court, packing the court. What, do we, what does that mean, and what do voters really think about that? Well, I'm not the only one asking that, and um, some polls have been taken that were released as lately as yesterday, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Angered by President Trump's nomination to the Supreme Court just weeks before an election, a lot of the prominent Democrats have been threatening to pack the court if they can get in power. What does that exactly mean, and how do voters feel about it? Well, let's talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Rasmussen Reports published a new survey yesterday, and in the survey they're revealing the voting public's view on packing the court and on term limits for the Supreme Court. This is released while top Democrats are threatening to expand the court by several seats to include a more far-left radical justices to assist them in getting their radical far-left agenda moved forward. An agenda that they've not been able to move forward by the vote of the people. Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He couldn't get elected. Joe Biden has surpassed him in the primary, the Democrat primaries, and now he's, he is the uh, the nominee for president. But he and Bernie have sat down and they've created a kind of a manifesto. It's about 100 pages long, 100, 110, something like that, about all the things that they agree that Joe Biden will do should he be elected president. Well, what they agree, I've read it, what they agree is that Biden will do what Bernie promised and the American people, even the Democratic voters, didn't buy into, at least enough of them, to put Bernie where Joe Biden is now. The left is raging. They hate Trump. They do, for the most part. It said that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's last wish was that a new president would nominate the justice that would fill her seat, meaning someone other than President Trump. To be clear, that wasn't her seat. That bothers me. The arrogance, the elitism of our elected officials, and they are elected on the Supreme Court vicariously, we elect the people who nominate and confirm them. But all the seats on the Supreme Court belong to we the people, regardless of who sits in them, the late Justice Ginsburg or the late Justice Scalia. That wasn't their seat. I understand it's a way to identify, but I think there's more than that to that. I think they have this sense of entitlement and elitism. We elect our representatives to Congress and to the presidency itself to serve us, not the other way around. But things have changed. We have an elite class in America today that honestly think and they act and they even speak as though we serve them, us little people out here. When things get complicated, when they're trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people, we start asking questions and they say, well, that's complicated. You don't understand. Yes, we do. (laughs) We do understand. That's why we're asking questions. We elect our representatives to Congress and to the presidency to serve us. That's the whole idea of America. Whether the left likes it or not, this whole idea upon which this country was birthed was we the people. We elect representatives to carry out our wishes regarding government and laws and Supreme Court justices. But when Trump and the Senate Majority Leader McConnell announced that they were indeed going to move the nomination forward because presidents are elected for four years, not three years, the left exploded in rage. I mean, they're just beside themselves. They're out of control. President Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, is one of the most highly qualified ever to be nominated. By all accounts, Democrats are weighing in. I mean, liberals, professors. People in higher education and other that totally disagree with what she believes. They are saying she's one of the most highly, highly achieved, highly accomplished intellectuals in America. And they say she's a very nice person, even though they totally disagree with her worldview. But the, currently, the Republican senators are meeting with her prior to con, a confirmation that's scheduled at this point for October 12th. But she's not meeting with any Democrat senators on the Judicial Committee. Not because she doesn't want to, but because all of them have refused to meet with her. They won't even talk to her. That's how divided this country is. And at this point, the Republicans believe they have the votes to confirm her without any of the Democrats. I pray they do. Democrat President, uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, FDR, back in 1937, he tried to pack the court. That simply means adding more seats to the high court by the party in power. I remember the first time I heard about this. It wasn't recently. It was a long time ago. But the first time I became aware that I thought, man, they can't do that. I mean, nobody can just say, well, so the conservatives or the constitutionalists, the originalists, they have a majority on the court. So we'll just add five far left radical activists and then we'll have the advantage. I thought, man, that doesn't sound right. They can't do that. Well, they can. <laughs> yes, they can. The Constitution says we must have a Supreme Court with the Chief Justice. It doesn't specify how many justices. For a number of years, there were, I think it was five or something like that. It was fewer than nine. But since 1869, the U.S. Supreme Court has seated nine justices. This has been the norm for more than 150 years. Roosevelt, he wanted to add six justices because he couldn't get his New Deal through. Sound familiar? He wanted to pack the court with 15 just, but he miserably failed. Even many from his own party refused to support his effort to pack the court. That has changed since FDR. In 2019, last year, the New York Times was interviewing Senator Kamala Harris. She was running for president. And they asked her, are you open to expanding the size of the Supreme Court? She said, just without hesitation, she said, I'm absolutely open to it. Everything is on the table. Now she's the Democrat vice presidential candidate. She feels just as strongly, whatever it takes. The end always justifies the means with the progressive, so-called, the relativists. They don't have any fixed values, really, whatever it takes. Everything is on the, you hear that all the time. Joe Biden at first said he didn't support any effort to change the court. He was saying that for a number of years when he was asked. However, in recent days, including this so-called debacle debate the other night, that Chris Wallace showed America what many of us already knew, he's incompetent. But anyway, the debate Tuesday evening, Biden had kind of changed his tune. He now says, and I'm quoting Joe Biden here, who wants to be president, he said, it's a legitimate question, but I'm not going to answer it because it will shift all the attention. Absolutely would shift the attention, Joe. <laughs> and he knows that, of course. I'm pretty sure what that means is, yes, I am now open to packing the court. Everything is, quote, on the table, and I don't want the public to know that I'm willing to do it until after the election. That's exactly what he was saying. Nancy Pelosi, representative of... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's kind of halfway running the Democratic Party right now, honest, she is. She's got more influence than you can imagine. They're all calling for court packing as soon as they have the power to do so. Chuck Schumer, the minority leader in the Senate who would become the majority leader if the Democrats could take control of the Senate, he says everything is on the table. They keep saying that all the time. Everything is on the table. Nancy Pelosi said the other day, our quiver is full of arrows. I'm not sure if she means, <laughs> if she reads the Bible and she says she does, I'm not sure if that means she has a lot of kids or if it means they're ready to shoot somebody with an arrow. I think it might be the latter, but she said that our quiver is full of arrows. Others in the Senate, the House are joining the Democrat chorus. They're saying, pack the court as soon as we seize power. So what do the citizens think? What do you think? What do people like you think? and me, us ordinary folks out here. Well, here's what Rasmussen found. They found this week, they published it, they just concluded it, the first part of this week, so it's very current. They found that 53% of voters oppose packing the court. 32% are in favor of the Democrats' plan to do it. 14% are unsure. They don't know what they think about packing the court. Clearly, they don't have any real clear vision for America, apparently, because that's pretty fundamental. I mean, it's, it's just, you can, it is what it appears to be. It's just a power grab. It has nothing to do with justice. It has everything to do with political power. As I said, the end always justifies the means with people who are not conservative or biblical or both. The survey also found that 52% of voters think the Supreme Court justices should be subject to term limits, including 64% of Democrats, 39% of Republicans. I would have thought Republicans might have been more than that, but it wasn't. 49% of voters not affiliated with either party. They think there should be term limits on the Supreme Court. Democrats, they found, Rasmussen, they found that Much greater fans of packing the court, Democrats, are much greater fans than Republicans, with Democrats at 45%, Republicans 21%, unaffiliated 29%. I found it interesting that 65% of all voters rated the handling of Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court as poor or very poor. I mean, we all know it was. It was insanity. But people are still carrying that impression from that. And I believe if the Democrats, Schumer and these guys, kind of hotshot elites, I mean, they are, if they try to pull that on Amy Coney Barrett, I don't think it's going to play that well. It should be noted that FDR was not successful in packing the court, but there are those from that era that wrote and said, but he got the court's attention. And they tended to rule a little more in his favor afterwards because they didn't want their power to be diluted on the court. I don't know if that's true or not, but it is true that there were those that were saying that. But now, 80 years later, there's parallel, number of parallels, between where these people are today and where FDR was back in his day. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But the main thing is that we've got to be sure that conservatives have control of our government. And that means that you and I have to vote. And we've got to get it right. We've simply got to. I am not willing to hand this country over to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. Joe Biden probably will not serve an entire term should he be elected. I I really don't think he's capable. But these people, Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, all these people, I don't want them running my country. I don't want my children and their children, my grandchildren, to live in a country with their leadership. The Biden, in anger, shouted to Trump the other night, will you shut up, man? I think that's probably what all of the left is saying to conservatives and even Christians. Thanks for being with me today. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday.